Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. And hello, everyone. I hope you're having a great day. I'm having a great day. I am so excited about this study that we're continuing on in. Today, we're going to tackle Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through chapter 5, verse 43, and we'll get to it right after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, once again, welcome to our summer study of the book of Mark, which is probably going to go into the fall, but I'm okay with that. I hope that you've taken time to go over to rachelcarmen.com and pick up the study guide there. We're doing a close read of this gospel that was dictated by the Apostle Peter to John Mark, who faithfully wrote it down. And we are marching through and getting to understand who Jesus is. From Peter and Mark's combined perspective, we get a picture of Jesus on the move. This action-oriented Son of God here to change the world. That's what we get to see. And so we're looking at all of the verbs. We're looking at all the action. We're doing a really close read, trying to see who's who. How did they respond? What did they see? Where's everybody's faith? How are they interacting with each other? What questions do they have? Do we see anybody changing and growing? Do we see people getting more and more aggravated, more and more doubt? We're going to see all of these different things, right? We're going to see people amazed. We're going to see people radically changed. We're going to see people given the opportunity to change and refuse it. And so hopefully, as we're marching through the book of Mark, I'm hoping, I'm praying that you're seeing yourself either in one of the disciples, maybe in one of the members of the crowd, maybe in one of the people who has a very personal interaction with the Lord Christ. I'm hoping that you see yourself, that you can relate to these people in very real ways. These were real people. This is a real story. God sent his son because of his love for mankind. God made a way for you and me to have peace with him through the death burial, and resurrection of his only son, 
Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He made a way for you and I because you and I are sinful. And there was no way for us to have a relationship with a holy, mighty God except for the gift of his son, Jesus. And so that's a little bit of background. We're going to rush on in today. And like I said last time, we are taking the end of chapter four and tacking it on to the entirety of chapter five. And here's why. I'm going to run through all of the verbs that I see here in just a minute. But I also came up with four things in this passage for us today, four things that I see Jesus stills. So, I mean, this may be a little bit of a stretch, but I hope that you can appreciate my attempt because I think there are themes that we can see here. And again, my hope is that you're attempting at least to come at this anew with fresh eyes. If you were raised in the church and you've read the Bible over and over and over, it's really easy to just be sort of rolling your eyes, blah, 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 blah. But I really don't believe that's how we're supposed to come to it. I believe we're supposed to come to the study of God's word in anticipation of what the Holy Spirit's going to show us this time. I mean, I get it. You may have written the read the Bible to yourself every year for as long as you can remember. But I promise you, the Holy Spirit has something new for where you are today. Not that the Word is changing, but that the Word is changing you. And so welcome wherever you are today. So there are four things I think we can see in this passage that Jesus stills. So first, and probably most obviously, he's going to still a storm. Okay, he's going to say hush. Secondly, he's going to still a crazy man's mind, which is substantial. Thirdly, he is going to still a woman's distress. And fourthly, he is going to still parents' mourning. And so I I happen to believe that one of those four is hitting home for you, if not a couple of them, or maybe all four of them, right? I think we can all relate to being in circumstances where there's a storm raising, raging, or our mind is is just racing, right? Or we're distressed about something, we are distraught, we are desperate, or we're mourning something. And again, I think we see Jesus still these four things simply with a hush. And so I'm hoping that our study today can bring us some assurance and some peace. Before we step into the storm part of our narrative for today, I just want to go over, as we've done in all the other chapters that we've looked at, the verbs associated in our passage today with the Lord Christ. So he said, He was sleeping, he was awakened, he got up, he rebuked, he said, he came, he got out, he said, he was asking, he gave, he got back into, he did not let, which is going to be interesting for us to look at, he crossed over, he stayed, he went, he was perceiving, he turned, he said, he looked, he saw, he spoke, he overheard, He did not allow, he came, he saw, he entered, he said, he put out, he took, he entered, he said, he gave, he said. 
So again, I get it. It may seem pointless to go over that list. But again, my point is that you and I need to be active about the things of God. We need to be acting on his behalf, ministering and serving others, pointing others to Christ as we see him so active in the time that he was here. So now let's do dive in. And this is, again... I have so many favorite passages in scripture. It's hard to nail one down. And I'm always, I'm always saying that the one that we're looking at is my favorite. And I'm going to do that again today. And that is starting in chapter four of Mark, beginning in verse 35. It says on that day. So picking up at the end of last time study, it says when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So the first thing I want you to notice here is he's directing traffic. And he has a purpose. He's telling his disciples, okay, let's go to the other side. This isn't accidental. This isn't flippant. This is purposeful, right? So don't miss that. I believe you and I are to live our lives with intentionality. I think we need to have goals. We need to have objective. The the highest and best of which needs to be giving glory and honor to him in word and deed. Period. That needs to be what our lives are about. And I don't think we need to live lives, and I don't think we have the example in the Lord Christ of just sort of whatever happens today. Whatever. We'll just go do whatever. What do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. What, I don't know what I want to do. What do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? No. We're called to a life of intentionally following hard after God, giving Him all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, pointing others to him, serving him in everything we do and say. That's what we're called to, living intentionally out our days for his glory. And we see that in the Lord Christ. It'd be interesting for you as maybe in a side homework assignment to look at all the intentional statements that Jesus makes through his ministry in his three years here. And this is one of them. He says, let us go over to the other side. So they leave the crowd. He goes and they get in a boat, right? It says then in verse 37 that there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was filling up. I just want to ask you, You ever feel like that's happening in your life? You ever feel like you got into a situation or just simply maybe you got into the relationship with the Lord Christ and you really thought, you know, it was his idea to go to the other side, right? His idea to go to the other side, his idea to get in the boat. And so you're like, okay, fine. Yeah, let's go to the other side. Sounds great. God's giving you direction of what you need to do next, right? He's suggesting you get in the boat. So you get in the boat, right? So you're in the boat going and doing what he's asked you to do. Is anybody with me so far? Yeah. Okay. So you're in the boat on your way to do what he suggested that you do. And a storm comes up. Now I'm betting that I'm not alone, that I have been in this storm. I am in this storm, right? In a place where the wind is at gale force and the waves are breaking over the bow. And I feel like, like this little boat is not going to survive this storm. And I'm thinking to myself, seriously, this was not my idea to go to the other side, nor was it my idea to get into the boat. And you look up, like the disciples, the disciples look up. Who are they looking for? They're looking for the same person you and I look for in the middle of the storm. It says, 
in verse 38, Jesus himself was in the stern. Okay, so good news. They didn't leave Jesus on the beach. They didn't forget him, right? He's with them. He's in the stern. Oh, wait, asleep on the cushion. So um, the plot thickens. You're in the boat that Jesus told you to get in, going the direction he told you to go. And the storm comes up, and you look around, and he's asleep. Have you ever felt like that was your situation? Now, we have the assurance. There's a couple of things going on here that I want to assure you of. We have the assurance in the Psalms that the Lord God never slumbers nor sleeps. That is one of the fundamental difference between the Almighty and us as his human creatures. We have limits. He doesn't. One of our limits is we can't go without sleep. What we need to see here in this is two things. One, Jesus was the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, okay? He's tired. He's asleep. He's tired. This undergirds the teaching that he was 100% man. And we see it in other places too. Another homework assignment that you might chase, read through the Gospels and note every human thing that Jesus does. He eats, he sleeps, right? There's a whole list of things that he does. Why? Because he was 100% man. He was also 100% God. So while Jesus, the man, is sleeping, Are those disciples in danger? They're not. Because it's not just a man asleep in the stern of the ship. It's the God man. It's Jesus. But you know what the disciples did? The disciples did what you and I do. They panicked. I panic. I tend to panic in the storm. And and I'll confess to you, I really, I really do tend to like a really good storm from the safety of my front porch. I love to sit out there when it rains. It's wide enough that I don't get wet. I love to hear the thunder roll. I love to watch the lightning flash. I love to hear the rainfall. I I just, I think it's just a wonderful, beautiful thing, a good store. When I'm sitting safely on my porch, but not in a boat, on an ocean, I don't want to be in that kind of a storm, right? And in my life, Look, I enjoy reading the biblical narrative. I enjoy reading. I'm encouraged to read the faithful people who have gone before me, whether it's Corey Tinboom or Elizabeth Elliot or Jim Elliot or Nate Saint, any of the great heroes of the faith. I enjoy reading their stories. I know the ending, right? You and I know the ending. The disciples didn't know the ending. This storm comes up and they do what you and I do when life gets hard and when the the wind is blowing and the waves are crashing on our boat. They panicked and it says they woke him up. It's not as bothersome that they woke him up. I think it's, I think it's meaningful that they knew what to do in the storm. And here's my question to you. Do you know what to do in the storm? Do you know what to do? Because yes, I believe what they go on to say to Jesus shows more than a little panic. But it's impressive that they knew what to do. And what did they do? They went to him. I just want to encourage you, if you are in a storm now, and I've heard teaching more than once saying you're either coming out of one, going into one, 
or in the middle of one, right? Those are your choices, which is a little ominous to think about. But wherever you are in that cycle, do you know that your only hope in the storm is to go to him? Because that's the example we see here in the disciples. In the middle of the storm, they went to Jesus. And that's what you and I need to do. But now let's be cautious. Listen to what they said to him. This is where they faltered. They went to him, but listen what they said. Teacher, they said, do you not care that we are perishing? Listen, I need you to know wherever you are. Like we just said, going into a storm, in a storm, or coming out of one, I need you to know he cares. You need to know that he knows. And you need to know that he's the master of creation. He is over whatever storm you are facing. No matter how hard that wind's blowing, no matter how hard those waves are crashing, you need to know, you need to know that he's over it. Teacher, do you not care? They said. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Well, I bet it did. I bet it was calmer after Jesus said, Hush, be still, than it was before, right? Completely, totally perfectly still. And he turned to them and he said, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now listen, this situation right here, this sea situation with the storm, with Jesus here, and it was his idea, remember, his idea to go, his idea to get in the boat, right? He's just talked to them about faith. He just told them. Remember last time we talked about the mustard seed? He just told them just a mustard seed amount of faith. I just need you to have a little bit. I just need to have a little bit. And here he says, where is your faith? And it says then in verse 41, the disciples talked to each other, who is this? And I just want to say to you again, that is the question. That is the question from Genesis to Revelation. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? Who is this God? Who is this Father God that loves his creatures so much that even in their sinful state, he makes a way by sending his only son, the only begotten of the father, the perfect lamb of God to pay our sin price. Who is this God? He is our heavenly father. Who is this Jesus? He's the Lord of creation. The Lord of creation. So that's number one. He stills the storm. When we come back, we'll look at Two, three, and four. Okay, we're going to have to pick up our pace. I hope that that story blesses you because it blesses me. I, The storms of life are a real thing. So now I want to look at Jesus stilling someone's mind. And I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where your mind just got the better of you, whether it was fear, some sort of a chemical imbalance of some kind, some sort of a 
a pain or a hurt or a, some sort of situation where things just felt like they were spinning. We've got that in spades in the story picking up now in chapter 5, verses 1. It says Jesus came to the other side. Don't forget, he made this trip on purpose. So again, an, this other homework assignment, it's interesting to study the gospel narratives, all four of them complementing each other to give you different perspectives on who Jesus is. Now, they're not contradictory. They're four different perspectives. And so looking at them together and seeing the number of times that Jesus interacted with someone on purpose, on his own initiative. There's a whole nother list of people that Jesus interacted with on their initiative. Like they brought the paralytic, right? Or somebody brought a blind man to him. We're going to see that. But there were also instances in his ministry here where he himself chose to go to someone. And this is one of those times. It says he crossed over, he got out of the boat. And with uh, there was a man here, unnamed, so we don't know what his name is, with an unclean spirit, and he was living in the tombs. Now, you need to get a picture of this. This guy is an absolute outcast. Nobody can control him. I want to pick up over here um, in verse, let's see, in verse 4, it says, he had been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, verse 5, day and night he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gnashing himself with stones. Pick this up, verse 6. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed before him. Seeing Jesus... In the distance, he ran up and bowed before him, shouting, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of God? Now, here's the deal. Don't miss that the disciples just watched Jesus calm the storm. Peace be still. And at the end of that, they're discussing with themselves, Who is this? Who is this that does that? Who tells the wind to calm down? Who tells the waves to stop crashing? Who does that? They arrive on the other side. A demon-possessed man is in the tombs yelling and screaming. No one's strong enough to hold him. He breaks every chain they bind him up with. And this guy, this guy runs up to Jesus and immediately announces, what do we have to do with each other? Jesus, son of the most high God. This guy gets who Jesus is. That is, the demons he's possessed by do. I implore you by God not to torment me, he says. For he had been saying, Jesus had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus asked the man, what is your name? And the demons within him said, my name is Legion, for we are many. This is really remarkable. Jesus has crossed a stormy sea, shown off to the disciples to come and meet this man. And the demons by which this man is filled with recognize who Jesus is, even as Jesus is calling them out. So you continue to read, and the demons ask not to release him into the country, but to send him into the swine herd, right? And they go over, and the swine go over the side of the cliff and are killed. And the herdsmen, who were watching the swine, right, 
actually go to town and go, oh my goodness, you have got to come see what happened. You are not going to believe this. And all the people come out of town and this is what they see. Picking up now in verse 15, it says, the herdsmen came back with everybody in town. They went to tell. It says, they came to Jesus and they observed the man who had been demon possessed, sitting down, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had legion, and they became frightened. I want to ask you, what is your response to radical life change? Do you know that Jesus still does that? Do you know that when people come face to face with Christ and submit themselves and surrender themselves to his will and his way in their life, radical change occurs? We ought to rejoice when we see the kind of radical change that is described here by Mark in this gospel. And yet too often you and I respond just like these townspeople did. They were terrified. See, while the demons got who he was, while the disciples are still questioning who he is, the people in this town are terrified by who he might be because they see the change. And yet, get this, pick this up. It says, Jesus now, he's headed back out. He came and he did what he was set to do, right? He came across, he met this man, he set him free. That's why he came over. See, this is a very specific instance, a very specific instance. It says then, picking up an 18, there's so much more here. Picking up an 18, he says, and as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring, begging, pleading with Jesus that he can accompany him. This guy has been set free, radically changed literally set free the chains weren't what was binding him it was the demon possession all of these thoughts his he was out of his mind he was crazy he was a crazy man and jesus radically changed his life he's had this very personal interaction with jesus and he's like please 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 can i please go with you please take me with you and i want you to hear dial this in what jesus says to him Jesus did not let him. That's verse 19. Jesus did not let him, but he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I love that. That's beautiful. This man who's been radically changed, radically changed, Jesus is basically saying, no, 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 this is, this is what you needed, this is what you got, and this is what you need to do. Go home. Go home and tell people what the Lord has done for you. Look, that's the same admonition that you and I have on our lives. So often, we just want to hang out with everybody just like us. We just want to, you know, be comfortable. We just want to always, and Jesus is like, honey, I need you to go Tell people what I've done for you. I need you to go and tell. Go tell what the Lord has done for you. You and I are responsible to share with a lost and dying and hopeless world the hope that is only available in the Lord Christ. We're responsible for that. 
all of those amazing blessings, all of those things that he does for us day in and day out, that, again, the enemy endeavors to distract us from so that we don't notice them, right? We need to pay attention to them. And then we need to go and we need to tell. We need to go and we need to tell. And it says this in verse 20, and he went. I mean, this man is obedient. Get this. It says, and he went and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Everyone was amazed. It was important that this man had been out of control such that when he came under the control and the lordship of the Lord Christ, people would see the difference. That is the kind of radical change that Jesus is about. And sometimes it terrifies us to see it because sometimes we don't believe it. Sometimes we don't trust it. We think, well, mm, I don't know, mm, maybe not, right? But you and I need to dare mustard seed faith. We need to know, we need to believe that yes, yes, radical change is possible, but only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've got two more stills that we need to get to here before our time ends today. We've already looked at Jesus stilling the storm. We've we've looked at him stilling this man's mind. Now we want to look at two stories that are interwoven in the rest of our passage. So this is starting in Mark 5, 21 through the rest of the chapter. We have these two stories interwoven and you're going to have to have extra homework for this today because time is going to get away from us. But this is glorious. So let me set it up just a little bit for you because Jesus is going to still a woman's distress, her desperation, and he's going to still these parents from mourning. So again, I get that the still thing is a little bit of a stretch, but I needed that for the storm, so I just took it for all four. Just hang with me. So you've got a man and a woman, one named, one unnamed, one respected, one as an outcast, right? One who says, come, the other one who came, right? You got, you got to see this. These two stories are told in tandem for a reason. These two stories are laid side by side with each other for a reason. And it is a glorious interweaving of not just the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's so much evidence of him being present in the moment, seeing, listening, acting, assuring, ministering, it's, it's really a remarkable passage. So I really want to encourage you to just really, really sit in this passage. Read it in two or three different translations and really ask the Lord what he wants to show you as you do this. So let's pick up. We'll do as much as we can. It says when Jesus had crossed back over, so he went to do what he did, came back. Um, on the other side, a large crowd had gathered. So that's the thing. That's the really interesting thing. He goes over to meet one man. Now, there are others involved, but he went for one man. And somebody you need to know today, there are going to be moments that you're going to have with the Lord Christ, and it's just you. It's just you and him. And there's going to be other times when it's you and your family, or you and your husband, or you and your kids, or you and your community, maybe you and your neighborhood. 
But sometimes it's it's just one-on-one, and sometimes it's a small group, and sometimes it's a mass of people. That's how he works in a variety of different ways. So in this instance, he gets back to the other side. There's a huge crowd gathered around him, and he stayed on the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials comes to him named Jarius. He comes up, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. Now, again, homework assignment, something you might want to chase. Note all of the people who come and bow, fall on their feet before the Lord Christ. I just want to suggest to you that's an excellent posture to take with the Lord Christ, the master of the universe. Fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. I don't miss this. This is the desperate plea of a father. My daughter is sick. She's about to die. Please, please, please come and lay hands on her. So it says that Jesus heads out. He's going to go. And the large crowd is with them. They're following, right? This is going to be awesome. They want to see what's going to happen. This is Jesus. So they head out following Jesus. And they're all pressing on him. So we've all been in this crowd, right, where... There's no such thing as personal space. There's a lot of people. Everybody's pressing in, right? You're feeling everybody in front and back. People are stepping on your heels of your shoes. You've been there, done that. So here in the midst of that moment, Jesus is going, right? He's going with this desperate dad, this desperate dad. They can't get there fast enough. There's too many people. Can't make the progress that he's wanting to. I just want to get to my daughter, right? So there's this anxious dad, He's really trying to get them through the crowd. All of these people are pressing in. Verse 25. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped, but rather had gotten worse after hearing about Jesus. Okay. She came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. So listen, do you hear it? Jairus came to Jesus, but this woman came publicly. Jairus came publicly. This woman came in the crowd, right? Came up in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I can just touch his garments, I will get well. So don't miss this either. Jairus has asked for Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughters. Like, I need you to physically come with me and touch my daughter so that she will live. Okay, this woman is just like, all I need to do is just touch the hem of his garment. If I just touch just the hem of his garment, it's going to make all the difference. Do you see it? Do you see? I mean, there's faith in both instances, right? Jarius is confident if Jesus will just come and lay hands on his daughter. And this, do- this woman is, just, if I can just lay my hand on just the fringe, I'll be healed. So it says then... Picking up in 29, immediately, when she reached out and touched, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And immediately, Jesus perceived in himself that power had proceeded from him, and he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched me? Oh, my goodness. I mean, do you get this moment? This is Jairus's, like, yeah, no, don't do that right? This woman comes up and she did not want to interrupt this scene. She just wanted to touch the hem of his garment. See, she was unclean. She shouldn't have even been in town, 
This broke all of the laws. This woman was bleeding. She was unclean. She should not be touched or touch anybody because she was bleeding. And yet she dared in her desperation, in her desperation, just to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus felt the healing power leave him. And he did the last thing that Jairus wanted him to do. And I believe he did the last thing that woman wanted him to do. He stopped. Because Jairus just wanted to get onto his house. And that woman just wanted to be healed. And she certainly didn't want any attention. She didn't want any attention. That's all she needed. She did not want anybody to notice her. There's a crowd for heaven's sake. And Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples were like, are you serious? Now, that's not actually what the NASB says. That's just, you know, bringing it up to date. The disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing on you and you say, who touched me? But Jesus, it says in 32, looked around to see the woman who had done this. See, he knew. He knew. He knew. This was the God man. He knew. And he looked around to see her. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came. And what did she do? Like Jarius, she came. And she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This is beautiful. Do you see the contrast between the lack of faith with the disciples in the stormy ocean and this woman? Do you see it? Do you see it? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. This is that mustard seed faith. It's the mustard seed faith. And he affirmed her. He saw her. He probably saw her. I know that he saw her better than anyone had ever seen her before. Many of those doctors saw her as somebody they could just get money from. They weren't going to heal her. They just saw an opportunity to make money, but not Jesus. Jesus saw her faith. Jesus saw her faith. So Jesus turns. He tells this woman she's healed. He commends her faith, right? And right at that moment, wouldn't you know it, interwoven stories, right at that moment, somebody from Jairus' house shows up and says, yeah, don't bother the master. Your daughter died. I mean, really? I mean, if you're reading this for the first time, you're like, no, 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 no. Jesus turns, it says, and he says, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. So somebody comes and tells Jarius, look, your, your daughter, she, she already died, just doesn't matter anymore. And Jesus, having just looked at this woman, he now turns to look at Jairus, who's just gotten the worst news of his life. And Jesus looks at him and goes, yeah, just believe. Just believe. Okay, now, listen, our time is wrapping up, but I don't want you to miss this, right? The disciples are in this crowd. They saw him hush the sea. The crowd has seen him respond to this woman, her faith, and her healing. 
And now Jarius is panicked because it seems as though his daughter, who, by the way, is going to end up to be 12, that that is exactly the number of years that this woman had been affected by her bleeding disorder, is the age of this little girl. Don't miss this. And here is Jairus' moment. Jesus looks at him square in the eye and says, just believe. And he continues on with Jairus. And he goes and he lifts up his daughter and brings her back to life. This is a power-packed message. Jesus says, hush, be still. He stills the storms of our life, yours and mine, the situations, relational and circumstantial. He stills those as we focus on him, as we exercise that faith. He stills our minds when we just feel like they're restless. Oh, that they would be stayed on him. He stills our desperation as we dare to touch the fringe of his coat. And he stills our panic and our mourning as we just believe in him. It's been power packed today. Don't miss the study guide. Dare to dive in to Mark 4, 35 through the end of chapter 5, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take. But I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.